times of rest, or at least they ought to be. Some of you recently have taken vacations, and some of you are perhaps fixing to do one. And too often we need a vacation after our vacation. However, if done properly, the goal of a vacation is rest, it is renewal, it is recharging your batteries. Vacations well spent do not just happen. They require much planning and much working on the front end, and perhaps even in the process as well. You have to schedule out the vacation far enough in advance. You have to get the time off of work. You have to make travel arrangements and make at least some kind of plan for what you're going to do during that time away. And if done properly, the goal is achieved, and the result is rest. It is refreshment. It's renewal. It's the joy of relaxation. The Christian life is one of seeking final rest. Our bodies and our souls easily tire out. We are regularly seeking reprieve. We are constantly looking for times to get away from our present suffering or our besetting sins. The Christian is assured of rest here and now, and still we seek regular intervals of rest. And we're thankful, aren't we, that we have every single day, or every single week, a day, the Lord's day of rest. In our text this evening, we see a woman hotly pursuing the rest of redemption. We also see a man doing the same. And we ask, what will be the outcome of their ceaseless striving? Will this rest for which they seek be found? What will be the result for all? who plan and pursue rest. Will we have it? The, t- the point of this text this, this, morning, this evening is that the Lord ensures rest for all who strive for it. Look again with me at verse 1. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Do we see from the start of this chapter now a change in Naomi's thinking? She is now seeking rest for Ruth. Naomi helps Ruth to maximize Ruth's opportunity for redemption and Naomi's opportunity for redemption as well. In order to do this, Ruth must go and she must be. She must go. If Ruth is to be redeemed by the kinsman redeemer, she must go to him. If it's going to be well with her, She must go to the one from whom wellness springs. She must go to Boaz. But she cannot go without godly counsel. She cannot go without proper preparation. She must go and be. She must be patient. She must be clean. She must be anointed. She must be available. You can hear Naomi saying to Ruth, Ruth, be patient. Go to him, but do not interrupt him until he has finished his work, until, he is, until he's in a place where he can eat and drink, satisfied with the day's work, a job well done. Be patient, but also be clean. Ruth, wash yourself. Make sure that you have been cleansed before you go to him. Be anointed. Ruth, anoint yourself and be available. Ruth, be clothed and be available when it is time, when the time is right to go to him. 
I'll talk about those last three Bs in just a moment, about being clean and anointed and available. But I, if you're like me, you have this question as you come to this text. You say, is this women empowerment light years ahead of its time? That she must go to him? Is this the Israelite version of the Sadie Hawkins dance? You guys know the Sadie Hawkins dance? This is like the best dance if you're a shy guy. So schools have dances. Some of them do anyways. And the Sadie Hawkins dance is that one dance of the year in which the girl asks the guy. Yes. And as an awkward teenager, I, I loved this idea. No one asked me to the dance, though. But that's okay, because I don't like dancing. So is that what's going on here? Ruth has to go be the one to, to ask him for the dance. Is Boaz too shy to take the initiative? Should we just say, come on, man, man up. Ask the girl out. Are you not a man enough? Is that what's going on here? Boaz is a gentleman, there's no doubt about that. He is the boss, he is the manager of a field, and he is being sensitive to Ruth, who is, frankly, his inferior at this time. He's also an older man, and he refuses to pressure Ruth into a marriage. Though it is clear, as the story unfolds, he really wants to marry her. At the same time, Ruth has been in mourning. She has been mourning the death of her husband husband, Mahlon. You recall this. This is very important for the, the context of the story. She was wearing the attire of a lady who had been in mourning, and it would have been improper during that time for a man to pursue a marriage with a woman who was still in mourning. You know how insensitive that would be. You can imagine a, a guy going to a woman that he had wanted to marry, and now, now the, the funeral of her husband says, hey, now that you're free... You want to get married? No, of course not. It's rude. It's rude. It's insensitive. And so she had been wearing the attire of mourning, and now Naomi is saying, no longer wear that attire. Think about what David does in 2 Samuel when he learns of his child's death. Remember, he had been in mourning. He had been pleading with the Lord Because who knows, maybe the Lord would save this child, would spare him and Bathsheba and and, and keep this child alive. And so he had been mourning. And then the child dies. And what does David do? He, He arises. 2 Samuel 12, 20, he arises, he washes himself, he anoints himself, and he changes his clothes. Because he's now marking that he's no longer in a period of mourning. And that's what Ruth is being told to do here by Naomi. Let Boaz know that you're now ready to get married. That you've left that phase of formal mourning. And here we see then that God's chosen nation must seek the rest for the nations. So Naomi is a true historical figure. She was really alive. But that doesn't mean that she can't also be a symbol. 
And as a symbol of the Old Testament Israelite church, she seeks this Gentile, Ruth's, rest. That's what we saw in that first verse. My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? In other words, of course I'm going to seek rest for you. I want it to be well with you. And indeed, she had been bitter. But the Lord's kindness crushes her bitterness. As she wakes up to new mercies every morning, now she is seeking these marital mercies for Ruth. You recall formerly her counsel. It was abominable. It was shameful, the counsel she had given Orpah and Ruth. Go find rest in the gods of Moab. Those gods that love child sacrifice, go find rest in them. May it be well with you when you are with them. Such odd and shameful counsel from an Israelite to a Gentile. That's what a bitter heart does. But now her counsel is commendable. It's fine rest in this Israelite redeemer. Here we have a man who can redeem you and me. Go, find rest in him. And as a picture of the Old Testament church, her vision then is corrected and her mission is righted. And as the Israel of God, the church points the nations to the one in whom rest is found. You know that Paul calls the Galatian church the Israel of God? And if the Galatian church can be called the Israel of God, surely you and I can be called the Israel of God. We are the Israel of God. We are the Son of God. God's children. And it is our job, then, to point others to Christ. This is what the bride of Christ does, doesn't it? Isn't it? We point others who do not know Christ, we point them to Christ. We point them to the groom, that they might be also wedded to him. They might find the love and the joy and the intimacy that is found in that marital union between Christ and the church. This is what we do when we pray for our lost friends and family members. This is what we do when we pray for the Father's kingdom to come, for his will to be done. We are praying for the nations to come to God. This is what God's people do when we proclaim the gospel of Christ. We say the gospel of Christ is not just for the Jew but is also for the Gentile. And as the, as the Israel of God, par excellence, the Son of God has planned for the rest of the nations. Naomi was a poor picture of the Israel of God. We, as the church, are still a poor picture of the Israel of God, but there is one who best reflects, best images the Israel of God, and that is Jesus Christ. And this is what he has done by living, by dying, by rising from the dead. This is what Christ has done by calling to himself people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Read the book of Isaiah and you will see the nations are going to the Israel of God. They are going to the mountain of Zion, that holy mountain, flocking to Christ and saying, teach us. It is our joyful responsibility then to point others Christ. And we're thankful that because we are operating in union with the Son, when we proclaim the gospel, when we are praying for those who do not know the Christ, our prayers will be heard. 
in the right timing, in the right way. We should plan for rest. We see verse 5 here, striving for rest. It is one thing for someone to plan for rest. It is quite another to strive for it. Verse 5, Ruth says, all that you say I will do. Now, Naomi could have given Ruth all the necessary instructions, but Ruth could have ignored all of them. She just could have said, I don't want to go. I don't want to be patient. I don't want to wash myself. I don't want to anoint myself. I don't want to be available to Boaz. I don't want to do any of those things. She could have done that. And then she wouldn't have striven for this rest. But that's not what we see Ruth doing. Instead, what we see is, is in Ruth is a submissive and obedient heart that is driven to action. As instructed, she waits at the threshing floor. She waits for him to finish his work. She waits for him to signal the completion of a hard day's work by merriment, by drinking. This virtuous Boaz is not drunk, but instead he is rejoicing in God's goodness with God's provision, with the drink. And Ruth had already been in the area, lying in the grain, but Boaz didn't see her because it was And so, Ruth comes softly to him, uncovers his feet, and then lies down. Now, it's sad to say that some people have seen in this action of Ruth's sexual immorality. Because after all, it is true that in the Old Testament, at times, there are references to uncovering the feet of another, which is a euphemism for having some sexual encounter. It's a weird thing. It sounds odd, uncover the feet. That's just how the Hebrews talk sometimes. Is that what's going on here? No. A thousand times no. It is a mistake to apply that use to this text. After all, she is called a worthy woman by this worthy man. In fact, he even says that all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And so she uncovers his feet, as many might do today, to wake someone up. Remember, this is outside. Springtime. The slightly cold air makes Boaz wake up to pull covers over upon him. And he turns over and soon realizes that there's a woman lying next to him. And this might be obvious, but if something immoral had been going on, Boaz likely would have been aware of it. And so here... Ruth's action even contrasts that of her former Moabite mother, Lot's daughter. She doesn't act in the spirit of Lot's daughter. She doesn't get Boaz drunk and force an unknowing union with him. Instead, she sought a private conversation in which she could express her availability and her willingness to marry this man in no uncertain terms. So here's a woman who knows that she is undeserving who knows that she is poor, but is seeking redemption. She knows the one to redeem. What did the wicked do? The wicked lie in wait to shed innocent blood. But here, Ruth lies in wait to be redeemed by blood, by this blood relative of Naomi, their kinsman redeemer. And when she is given a chance to speak, her commitment is clear. She says, I am Ruth, your servant. She doesn't say... I am Mahlans, 
She doesn't say, I am Naomi's. No, she says, I am yours. And with these words, she seeks to be equally yoked to Boaz. Equally yoked. And how could they be equally yoked? She's a Moabitess. Oh, but she's a Moabitess no more. Yes, ethnically, she is a Moabitess, but she has been converted. Perhaps she had been converted before Naomi had been converted. In fact, her own counsel was instrumental in Naomi being sustained by the Lord. And so they are equally yoked by, they, they worship the same God. And so she says, spread your wings over me, your servant, for you are a redeemer. And this reminds us of chapter 2, verse 12, in which Boaz blesses her. Why? Because she found refuge under the Lord's wings. And this recalls Psalm 91. We abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He is our refuge. He is our protection. And see, the obedient, submissive, and vulnerable Ruth seeks redemptive refuge. She's obedient. And as she strives for redemptive rest, her striving is pronounced blessed. Verse 10, and he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Boaz blesses Ruth because she has done two kindnesses, the first, lesser kindness, and the second, greater kindness. What are these two kindnesses? Well, the first kindness, the lesser kindness, is found in chapter 2. You recall that Ruth had left everything that she knew in order to join with and to support Naomi. Ruth blessed Naomi with her loyalty, with her devotion, with her faith in the Lord. What an example Ruth had been to Naomi. What a kindness Ruth showed to Naomi. But the second, greater kindness is found here in this chapter. Ruth seeks Boaz to be both her and Naomi's redeemer. She isn't looking for a young buck but a Boaz who can redeem. She's not looking for a man in his prime, but the man who will lead her to God. She pursues the man who can redeem her mother-in-law and Elimelech's lineage, even to bring her back into what will eventually be the line of Christ. In a word, she's looking for the man who will represent the man, the Messiah, the Redeemer. Ruth then will stop at nothing until she receives the blessing of rest that she knows exists. Applying this text, then, we see that we are blessed with rest when we strive for rest. We're blessed with rest when we strive for rest. Not everyone who runs finishes the race. And so not all striving will meet its end, will meet its object. It's sad, but there are many women who seek physical rest, but their abusive husbands deny them this rest. So many accounts of women who are trying to fall asleep, and their husbands wake them up and scream at them, constantly berate them. And here are women who are seeking or striving for this rest, but are denied it. The Christian who works hard his whole life is blessed with sleep, is blessed with rest in Christ's embrace. The bride of Christ is not ever abused by the groom. 
He always wants us to have rest. He always wants us to have himself. Oh, don't be mistaken, the Christian life is not a passive one, but one in which Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And this is not Paul's way of working works righteousness into the equation, saying that you, you were declared righteous by, by God once you trusted in Christ, and now you're brought to this square one, this state of neutrality, and now from this point on, you have to stay in God's good graces, you have to work this righteousness so that the Lord can see all that you have done and then say, yes, that's why I imputed that righteousness to you. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about pursuing godliness, which is our joyful responsibility. All of us are to pursue godliness, to strive after that holiness without which no one will see the Lord, as Paul elsewhere says. And as we strive, Christ's banner over us is love. And he will always cover us with this banner. Do you recall your own struggle with the world? Your own fight for lasting rest, for peace? Perhaps you're still fighting. After all, you are in this world. Thorns and thistles threaten you all around. Your own sin challenges you. The devil hates you. And so you struggle. But even that struggle is a sign, a good sign, of God's provision for you, of God's presence with you, that he never leaves you nor forsakes you, but he will always give you what you need to keep on keeping on. And you wonder if there's any hope of securing this rest. Well, this assurance of rest is what we see here in the rest of the chapter in verses 11 through 18. It is one thing to plan for rest, quite another to strive for it. At the same time, it is one thing to strive for it, but come up empty of this rest. But here the striving is not in vain. Ruth is not going to seek it, hold it in her hand, only for it to slip away. Boaz assures her of the redemptive rest for which she seeks. Verse 11, it says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Boaz says, you have no reason to be afraid. You will be redeemed, either by the nearest redeemer or by me. But you will be redeemed. And notice that he even binds himself with the typical oath prefacing words, as the Lord lives, which is, which is throughout Scripture. What the person is saying is, may I die if I don't do what I just said I'm going to do. Because the Lord is not going to ever die. So as the Lord lives, I need, to, I need to be faithful to this vow. I've said that you're going to be redeemed. You will be redeemed. Or I'll be, or I'll be killed. That's what, he's, that's what he's doing here. And he even blesses them with more grain, six measures, and abundant provision. Even if he isn't the Redeemer, he still has the heart of Redeemer, the heart of blessing Ruth and Naomi. And so they have full confidence of their soon redemption. There is no more fear in their hearts. And when Ruth returns to Naomi, Naomi's expectant and excited heart assures herself and assures Ruth in verse 18. She replied, wait, my daughter, 
until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. The man will not rest until this matter of redemption is settled. What intentionality of this Redeemer. What focus. You can imagine, he has so many other things he needs to do. This field manager, this important, wise, and very busy man, has here prioritized redemption. It's not like he needs to be redeemed. Ruth and Naomi came to him kind of as an inconvenience. He never saw them as an inconvenience, but he wasn't seeking Ruth. He wasn't seeking Naomi. He wasn't just twiddling his thumbs. I wonder if I could redeem anyone and give my wealth, my resources to these people. But when the matter came to him, he was a man of the law, and he knew redemption was essential to Israel. And he cared for Naomi. He cared for Elimelech. He cared for Ruth and Mahlon. And he was not going to rest until this matter was taken care of. Ruth and Naomi have only to wait with expectant hearts for this resolution. What a relief that must have been. Can you put, just put yourself in Ruth's shoes, Naomi's sandals, if you will. What a relief for these two vulnerable women, women who were aching for provision, women who were aching for security, for comfort, who yearned to be seen, who yearned to be cared for, to be loved, to be embraced. Anything that a woman reasonably wants. If there's one thing that a woman wants, it's security with love. Love and security, so two things. And what's One thing that a man loves to do, he loves to provide. He knows it's his duty to provide for his family. And here, Boaz wants to provide and does provide. Do you see in your own heart this aching for provision, security, to be known and cared for and loved And you see, children of God, how this points us beautifully to our Redeemer, to Christ. Thomas Manton says, So faith says to the soul, sit still until you know how the matter will be. For God will not be at rest till he has accomplished all that he has spoken to you. Our Redeemer did not rest until the matter of redemption was settled. From eternity past, if we could talk about divine priorities, our God prioritized his own glory through our redemption. Yes, he glorified himself through all that he does. But he was thinking about you. He was thinking to redeem you. Our God did not need to be redeemed. We need to be redeemed. He who rested on the seventh day gave us a picture of rest, of eternal joy, of life, of communion, of satisfaction. He blessed us with the Sabbath day to cause us to yearn for and to remember the day that leads to an an eternity of unending, unmitigated, unmatched, joyful fellowship with Him. 
The Son of God, seeing us while in, in our own blood, helpless and hopeless, says, in our blood, live. And so we live because of him. And from eternity past, in that eternal covenant of redemption, the Son bound himself by an oath. As the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Your Christ, dear ones, never rested until we were redeemed. He knew that we would still not have eternal life if only he brought us to a state of neutrality, if only he brought us to a place of square one with God. He knew that we would be forever burdened by the law if he did not keep all of it on our behalf. And so what does he do? He never stopped until he kept the entire law of God for us. He knew the death penalty was hanging over our heads until someone, until he dies for us. And so he never stopped until he allowed himself to be put to death for us. He didn't rest until he gave up his spirit for our rest. He knew that fullness of life was what would would please the Father, would please himself, would please the Spirit, would please us, who would be new creatures in him. And so, he doesn't stop, even in the grave, but raises himself from the dead for us. He did all of that. Yes, we strive for rest, but it is the Father who draws us to his Son. Yes, we come to the greater Boaz for redemption, but it is he who draws all men to himself. Ruth, when she is redeemed, she doesn't boast in herself for seeking the Redeemer. She doesn't say, good job me, I found the Redeemer. But she rejoices that she has been found by the Redeemer. I once was lost, but now am found, we sing. It is ours simply to receive this rest and to rejoice in our Redeemer who lives. Glory, hallelujah. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you very much for this redemption, for this rest that we have in Christ, who is the only Redeemer of God's elect. Help us, Lord, to prize this rest of redemption more than we, than we do. Help us, Lord, to be fueled by this rest that we might work heartily unto the Lord, pursuing godliness, pursuing more and more communion with our Redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.